Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm Abby. Um, so oh, I've been looking forward to tonight. It's going to be a surprise to everyone, including me. Um, do any of you watch Doctor Who? No. <laughs> That's it. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> but I was watching. I actually was thinking of you a lot. I've not been here for a few weeks. I've been away. But I watched Doctor Who a few weeks ago. And there was like, a, the Earth was being invaded by aliens, as always. But the aliens that were invading, they were from like a 2D universe. So when they came into Earth to invade it, they could only like move on like walls and floors. And, um, and uh, so what they did is they moved on walls and floors and then they like kept consuming humans, like pulling them into their 2D, whatever, like walls and floors. And then obviously killing them, which is a shame. But they would like kill lots of them and then through the study of killing them, they started to understand like a 3D world and eventually they were able to produce a sort of hologram, flickering, 3D-like being. Um, and uh, I really feel that sometimes that's our approach to like the things of the spirit, that we kind of go in in our grid, in our dimension, and we just try and consume as much as possible and hope that at some point we'll create something that you know, might be a distant relation to what is the reality. And um, I was quite challenged by Doctor Who. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to, to know that we aren't invading aliens. You know, like that is our land, like we are the aliens here. And so that when we go in the spirit, whether, our, you know, we actually, that's why we have to die to self because we can't go in with the grid that we have and we have to kill that so that we can be the multidimensional kind of being that we, we are in him. Um, so... As you know, like my style when I speak is like I just read like hundreds and hundreds of scripture, and it's not changed. And uh, and but part of that for me is because what I talk about is so out of my grid that I I I use scripture very very heavily just to like like it's no longer you know guidance on a page. It's like the doors into everything for me, and so that's why I pull on it so much because. I am still in the process of dying every day. And so even while I'm speaking, there's a grid in my mind that's saying, this is absolutely bonkers. You know, like you're talking insane stuff here. Um, and so like tonight as we go on this journey, like just think about letting that grid completely go and, and just being okay with it being bonkers. And there's loads and loads of scripture, so that always helps. Um, and, and we'll see where we get to. Uh, so... Um, when, what I want to speak about tonight, I've had to give it a title, I guess I'd call it Hiddenness, um, but within that, I'm going to speak about everything I've always ever spoken on, and I think like any new revelation I get, it's like, um, it's kind of like, it just enlarges the revelation I already have, so I think that probably any time I've ever spoken, I just speak about the same thing every single time, um, but just hopefully with greater revelation each time, so apologies if you find this really repetitive. Um, but just to set the scene, last year when Ian Clayton came, we know that mystery was unlocked, the unicorn was unchained, um, and then the cry of our hearts now and then, and probably always, I found is really mirrored well in Psalm 25. Mm -hmm. 
This is the problem with reading loads of scripture. <laughs> okay, Psalm 25, verse 4. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. And we are just asking always for what is the way, what is the way, um, but the verse that always sticks out to me in Psalm 25 is that one where it says the secrets of the Lord are for those who fear him. Different versions say the mysteries of the Lord are for those who fear him, the secret counsel, the secrets and the friendship of the Lord. And so we love mystery. We love it so much. We all know this. Um, all of us love it, I hope. <laughs> um, and uh, a good starting point for mystery for me is in Daniel 2.20, and he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. And in that, you just see the seven spirits, just so much, they're just like shouting at you in there. And we know that the seven spirits are always revealing mystery. Um, but ultimately, the, the seven spirits always reveal Christ, and that's because Christ is the ultimate mystery. He's the mystic secret hidden for ages and he's the mediator and the access point. And it all starts with Christ and we know this, um, but it's just so great. You have to keep saying it again and again. Um, and uh, if you're in any doubt, Colossians 2.2, it says, Paul is saying, I want you to know how great my struggle is um, and I'm and for all those who see you, I pray that their hearts may be encouraged to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he's the mystic secret, but we know it doesn't stop just there, like just knowing that Christ is it. That's not it. We can't park there and finish there. Um, and there's just an amazing... An amazing letter from Paul in Ephesians. It's just phenomenal. Ephesians 3. Um, and uh, he goes, let me see what I should read first. Verse 9, 3 verse 9. Um, so Paul is saying, of this gospel, I was made a minister, um, which is given me by the working of his power, though the least of the saints, to preach to the Gentiles, and this is what I want to say, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So I just want to make sure that we really are kind of on this because this is really a phenomenal revelation. So Paul um, has been given the grace to preach about the riches of Christ and bring to light and reveal what is the plan of the mystery that's been hidden. And what is the plan of this mystery? It's that through the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God can be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. But what is the mystery that he's bringing to light? Well, he says that in verse 4, and he says, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Um, The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise. So the mystery is is that we are co-heirs in Christ a phenomenal mystery, and what Paul is saying is that the riches of that that he's revealing is so that the ecclesia, when that mystery is revealed, that we are co-heirs, they form like a, a perfect blueprint for the manifold wisdom of God to come and reveal God's eternal purpose to the rulers and authorities, not on earth, but in heaven, And that is really, really important because the mystery that we are co-heirs is not for the seen, it's for the unseen realm. And I think a lot of times we just think it's for the seen, but the, the real mystery is that it's for the rulers and authorities of the heavenly places, so for the unseen realm. Wow. So we are not revealed to the seen We have first revealed God's eternal purpose. It says here, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ. Okay, so how that happens is through the ecclesia. We know that ecclesia is the government of heaven and the mystery that makes us the perfect blueprint is that we are co-heirs. So it's the understanding, the full knowledge of what it means to be a co-heir that allows all of that to happen and that is God's, that's the gospel, really, you know, God's perfect plan. <sighs> so it's no wonder that the next chapter is titled Prayer for Spiritual Strength. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and again, this is just amazing verses. We're so familiar with this. But Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, um, for whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of this, his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So obviously, all the fullness of God means full maturity. All the fullness of God is a manifest son. That's a huio son. That's it in fullness. Um, But we need strength to understand the love because it is the love that empowers us to know that. And it's crazy. I mean, it says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So it's like to know the love that surpasses knowing. <laughs> so that in itself is, is, is a good mystery to kind of work around. Um, but I just, uh, you know, the, the more we know God and the more that we are in God, um, then I, I feel that, you know, that there is... There's a knowing beyond knowledge. Um, and, and that's what Paul is on his knees praying for us for and, and praise the Lord because we do need the strength to do that. Um, 
So it's really our great pleasure to enter in and explore these mysteries. But saying that, this mystery that we've just talked about, it's been revealed. It was revealed about 2,000 years ago. So this is known. It's not really a mystery anymore. We should have got this. And I think that's why in Hebrews 6 it says, let us leave behind the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity because this mystery is revealed for that exact purpose, for us to enter through that and to realize that it is because of of Christ, that we can now go in and be revealed in the heavenly realms, and that he is the access point. So as a community, you know this, we pursue the unknown path, and I just think, like, for me, it becomes, you know, there's always, like, different semantics in Christian communities, and you always hear about unknown and hiddenness and known and all these different words, and it's important that they don't become meaningless, um, and I think we do have to keep asking ourselves, what is the unknown path? If we're all on the same path, is it actually unknown? If there's someone that you're following, are you actually following an unknown path because they're actually showing you the way? Um, and, you know, we've talked about this quite a lot like is the unknown path the one that the like Celtic saints followed or is it Jeremiah's ancient path and it's something I've looked into a lot and we've spoken about a lot but Jeremiah 616 is one of my favorite verses too about the unknown path and it says thus says the Lord stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls and so I looked at what the ancient path is, and the word, the Hebrew word is olon. And that means eternal. So it isn't ancient, it's eternal. So eternal, forever, everlasting, that's the path that we're speaking about. So Ian talked about being in the into, the beginning, the alpha, and, and that's what that path is. It's the start and the finish of everything, forever, eternally, and that's what we're seeking. So really, we're not looking for anyone else's path, uh, we're looking for our own path. And uh, um, knowing my love for the pursuit of the unknown path, my sister Jess sent me a quote, and it's by a mythologist, Joseph Campbell, and it's too good not to share. And he was writing a story about a man who was pursuing mystery. And this is the quote. They thought it would be a disgrace to go forth as a group. Each entered the forest at the point he himself had chosen, where it was darkest, and there was no path. If there is a path, it's someone else's, and you are not on that adventure. And I think it's quite profound, and I've, I've noticed recently, like, I know that you were there when Ian was speaking in August, and there was one session which she dedicated totally to saying, this is my intimate personal journey, and that's where the fruit comes from, and that's what you have to follow, not the teachings, you have to follow the journey. And equally, Justin broke down in Wales, and to say the same thing, that it's not about big people giving big revelation and getting to conference. We know this. I know that this is, is not new, but it is about the personal, intimate journey. Um, and so we can't be in any doubt that it's inward. And another of my favorite verses, which I read again and again, is in Psalm 84.5, and it says, in your heart is the pathway to Zion. And that's where we have to tread. We have to tread the path in our hearts to get home. Uh, to get in. And Jesus said himself in Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your room, 
shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's quite a big in. That's quite a big secret. We are in, and we are in secret, and he sees us in secret. And I think I'm not going to talk much more about that, but that is, um, for me, quite an added revelation to the secret place of the stairs. So, Holy Spirit spoke to me quite a long time ago now, and he said very specifically, I was driving along and just kind of um, enjoying the presence, and he said, shroud yourself in darkness. And I didn't understand at all, um, but there was a teaching that Ian gave that really helped me, um, and this is uh, a very, very brief uh, diagram, I think, of what he said. So there's darkness and there's light. And if something is in the light, it's revealed and it's known. And if it's in darkness, it's not revealed and it's not known. And that, that rocked my world. <laughs> um, and so where do you want to live and where do we need to be? And we're going to talk a, a lot more about this. Um, but again, if you imagine this whole piece of paper is just God, that's him in totality, this is what we know. So that's not very representative. There's a lot more unknown than there is known. So um, when Holy Spirit said, shroud yourself in darkness, I hadn't really thought about that. The only reference point I had was the darkness that Moses um, entered in on the mountain, the thick darkness or the dark cloud. So that was my only reference point. So in the spirit, I kind of took that and I wrapped it around me, but Holy Spirit had specifically said shroud. So I knew that the darkness needed to obscure and hide me and be like another death to self. And so I've, I've been engaging that ever since um, and, and really trying to kind of enter into the fullness. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that darkness then and take you on the journey that I've been on. So in Exodus 20, the darkness is, it said that's where God was. It's the darkness that Moses drew near to. And the Hebrew word for it is arophel, which is like this. Okay. Um, and the same word is used in 2 Samuel 22, where he says, he makes darkness his canopy. Or when Solomon blessed the temple, and it said, he, God, would dwell in darkness. So he, God, would dwell in Arafel, and he makes Arafel his canopy. Um, and that's the same darkness that Moses entered into. So the root for that is, well, let's just take off the fell. Oraf, I think it's pronounced. Um, and it means to drip or to drop down. And I could only find two uses of that root in the Bible. And I'm not even a, I'm not even an amateur Hebrew scholar, so uh, I'm happy to be uh, taught on this matter. Um, so the two uses were by Moses, and it was when in in Moses's song and his final blessing. So the first one I'm going to read to you: uh, "Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak." 
and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, the gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. And the next use, just in his final blessing, it says... There is none like God who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroyed. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine whose heavens dropped down dew. So that word dropped down dew, it's the same root. So you can start to see that the darkness that is meant here is like a thick, pregnant darkness full of abundance and provision and, and God and the spirit of God. Um, and so there's obviously a lot of other different types of darknesses. Um, and, and, we'll, and we'll get on to that. But this darkness, that's a darkness I'm quite happy to be shrouded in. Um, and the Israelites went to that darkness at the mountain, and we kind of know that story very well. They were very afraid. And I'm going to read when they went. Here we go. And you came near and stood under the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only a voice, and he declared to you his covenant. So what I'm trying to do is work out the pattern of what happens when you engage with that darkness. This is the process that I'm on. Like, How can I frame this up around me so that I can fully enter into it? Um, so... When, when the Israelites came to it, they heard the sound and the Lord declared a covenant. Um, and really what happened in Exodus 24 gives us like a good blueprint um, of, of what happens when you engage in darkness. Uh, and this is just a, a mirror of what we've just read. But that explains it a bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Moses rose early in the morning. He built an altar under the temple, under the mountain, and uh, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes. He sent the young man of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. He took the blood, he threw it against the altar, and he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then he goes on and he takes 73 elders up the mountain and they saw God and they saw the pavement of sapphire stone and they ate and they drank with God. And Ian spoke about this and this is a real key for us going forwards about that altar that was built under the mountain um, and that the covenant that was released from that. And I feel that always in this, you know, then the elders went and they met God and they ate and drank with him and always when you engage with that, you are going to meet God. It's always about access and intimacy. Um, uh, so, uh, 
if we just stick with darkness just for a while, it will make it will it will become clear why. We've talked about darkness, but we know there's darkness and there's thick darkness and there's gloom. So just to look at some of the other words, um, Isaiah 60 is the Arise, Shine chapter. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So the word there for darkness is this. Koshek, but it's spelt like that. Um, and the root of that word means to grow or to become dark. Um, and another example of that is in Job. It says, he uncovers the deep things out of darkness and brings into light the shadow of death. So for me, that darkness is much more like the dark eye, light eye. You know, this is what we need to, we need to kind of get the light into that darkness. And there's, to me, a, a very clear difference between the meanings behind that. So um, when in Isaiah 60, where it says, arise, shine, for your light has come, um, you know, we are to be the light. We are to be the radiant ones. So what Ian said when he talked about dark and light was we don't live here. We go into the dark and we become the light that reveals that and then reveals that and then reveals that and then reveals that. And that is our joy. That's what we were created for. That's what relationship with God is all about. That's the secret counsel of those who fear the Lord is becoming the lights that radiate there. Um, and as we do that in the heavenly places, this koshek darkness that covers the earth will disappear. So just want to appreciate the difference between it because darkness is good, but light is good too. Um, and darkness can also be bad and it's just our language just doesn't account for it all. Mm. So we've talked about the Moses blueprint, right? So... You go to the mountain, you engage with the cloud, you meet God, you die to self, you become a sacrifice, covenants and all sorts of wonderful things happen there, um, including death to self. <laughs> um, but in Hebrews 12, this is great. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose word may the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, which is exactly what happened in Exodus. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he's promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. 
So you see there, what, do you see what he's saying? So it's like, then they came to a mountain and they saw a fire and a trumpet and darkness and they couldn't even touch it and everyone is afraid. But now in the new covenant, we come to Mount Zion. And so now when we engage with the, when I shroud myself in darkness, that's what I'm accessing. I'm not accessing uh, a fearful thing that may kill me. I'm accessing heaven itself. So that's the new covenant and the new way in. And um, there's a psalm that I have pondered on for about four years. And I, think, I don't think I've ever spoken without reading it out. And no change today. And... Um, this is, it really echoes like what, you know, the, the revelation on this stuff really echoes with um, what I've, I, I feel this psalm says, and it's Psalm 82, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified, but I am going to miss out a few words. Um, God stands in the assembly of the representatives of God in the midst of the judges. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you judges judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, Selah? Do justice to the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rescue them out of the hand of the wicked. The magistrates know not. Neither will they understand. They walk on in the darkness. All the foundations of the earth, the fundamental principles on which rest the administration of justice, are shaken. I said, you are gods, since you judge on my behalf as my representatives. Indeed, all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die as men and fall as one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for to you belong all the nations. So, uh, oh. um, in this psalm, God is addressing the judges in the divine council, and, um, and, and, and that is or could be us. Um, that's that's uh, for definite, and he's berating us for not judging justly, and um, and showing a lot of partiality to the wicked. And I know that all of us, our hearts, is always to bring justice to the earth and to rescue people. Um, and for me, this psalm gives the key that actually it's not necessarily about. Um, social change <laughs> what God is saying is why isn't this justice happening and he says the magistrates know not so we don't know neither do we understand and we walk in darkness and um, we know that the word where it says they know not is this word in Hebrew Yorda um, and I looked up the meaning of that and I uh, the guy, uh, uh, one of the guys who was uh, talking about the meaning of, of what that means in Hebrew is a guy called Paul Cox. And he said, it's, yeah, Yorda is the developed expression of an intimate knowledge of God incorporating every aspect of our lives as an act of worship. Yorda has been described as an abbreviation for the entirety of God's message to mankind. And so if we go back to what we read in Ephesians 3, when Paul is saying that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Um, and so I think that's, that's the know there, the entirety of God's message to mankind. And so we as judges in the heavenly realms, sons of God, 
And in that psalm, he calls us God. And Jesus himself referenced that in John 10 and, and, and was, was told he was blaspheming. But we are sons of the Most High. And we have that authority in the heavenly realms if we know, if we're not walking around in complacency, if we're not walking in darkness, then we can administer this justice. Then the poor and needy can receive the justice that they, they need and no longer will, you know, the fundamental principles of justice um, be misaligned on the earth. And it says in the Psalm, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And it's exactly, it mirrors exactly what I read just earlier in Hebrews where it says, uh, the removal of things are shaken, that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And what the Lord is doing in everything is he's shaking everything, that everything that is a poor copy, a counterfeit, a replica, is, is, is just going to be destroyed and only what he is can remain. And what he is and what he has come to do is to make known Christ to the ecclesia, that his manifold wisdom can come and enter us in fullness, that we will be the manifest sons revealed to the heavenly authorities so that we can administer the eternal purpose of God throughout the universe. Good time to be alive. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh dear. So us not knowing God not only enables death because you are gods, yet like men you shall die, but it also permits this injustice to continue to ravage our world. And so it's really, you know, it's time and we are, we're stepping forwards in maturity, we're accessing the door, we're stepping through the mystic secret of Christ, we're shrouding ourselves in hiddenness. Um, and really, we need to just be that arise, shine, for your light has come. And let me just read a wee bit more in Isaiah because it's so good. Yeah. So arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you, to us. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. So, for me... My journey has to be an inward one, and it has to be an unknown one, and it has to be eternal, so it has to be in the darkness of the cloud of God. And in that place, there is a lot of community. And, um, and that's where I want us to be, and that's where the Ecclesia is, because it's the only place the Ecclesia can be. Um, and so I think uh, Ian spoke about how we have to make ourselves an altar. 
um, as Moses did under the mountain. And I think that as we are stepping into this unknown, that altar and the sacrifice and the blood that speaks and the covenant that comes is going to direct our next, our next path uh, and be made very evident. But I don't know it now. Um, so now, and that's me, I'm finished. So what I'd like to do now is just to stand and if you've got any hooks from that with regards to like just engaging in that darkness um, or starting to or already going through and accessing that just to have a time or just accessing in through that for just like allowing just the, the dew and the drip of the dark cloud of the unknown and the mystery of God um, just to, to satisfy you and, and to give you energy and to give you like a, a sense of adventure for what is ahead because nothing is known on the path that we are on and there's everything to find every treasure hidden and it's, it's, it's really exciting and I think you know we need to be enthused because it's amazing and it's the journey of the rest of our eternity.